0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison.
2: Good morning and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show. Starting the day off a little bit, a uh, little bit differently. We have a, a guest, John O'Sullivan, who's been on the show in the past. But as I was driving in uh, today, Wednesdays are a crazy day for me. Uh, it starts off with me getting up about four o'clock in the morning so I can get my daily routine workout in, um, and then making a an appearance on a radio show here locally. that's a political talk show. That actually turns me right over to another studio to do a sports talk show, which I'm a little grumpy since Vanderbilt lost in the College World Series last night. But anyway, as I'm driving over there, um, I'm listening as I drive over to that show. I listen to find out what I'm actually going to be talking about once I get there because I use it as advertising for my financial planning business, which is probably not the best idea to to talk politics um, as I'm advertising at the same time, but. Um, it, it really got me thinking because there was a big race in Mississippi. It doesn't matter about the winners or losers of that race yesterday. What does matter is the fact that uh, we keep trying to send people to Washington to, to make our world a better place. And I'm not saying we don't want to do that, but um, it's not going to change there. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we changed the theme of the show to changing the world. And in the, in the last few weeks, we've had guests on like Michael Gowan, who's doing it through fitness and Team Beachbody. Um, and he is changing the lives of people. Tiffany Sweeley, who's doing it through ministry, entertainment, inspirational speaking. And last week's guest, Bob Lutz from League 42 through youth baseball. Um, and, and myself having experience in all of those. Uh, we're trying to tie all of us together, um, working to change the world, because we do it individually. Today's guest is no different, and he's, I, I am honored to introduce to you again John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. And,
3: John, welcome to the show. Hey, Mickey. Thanks for having me on again.
2: You know, you actually had a post today on, on Facebook that uh, I think – I don't know if it was today or yesterday – and it goes right along with with my my thought process, and I think you're doing the the same same types of things that 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 I'm hoping to do through some of these other folks. And is written by Margaret Mead. She's a cultural anthropologist. It says, "Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, is the only thing that ever has." Mm-hmm. I think that's just that is profound. It is profound.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree, and I I think. There is, sometimes we, we, we get so caught up in the fact that, well, if everybody is not doing it, then, then I'm not going to do it, yet yet really big changes come from really small groups of people who are committed to making that change, and, and, and then all of a sudden everyone joins in and, and jumps on board. There's a, there's a great, um, if people like it, there's a great YouTube video called The First Follower, And I always recommend people check that out. It's just how the movement start, And it's really not the leader who matters as much. It's the first follower, the person who is not afraid to get up and and, and join the movement. And and those are the people you really have to cultivate.
2: Yeah, and you're doing that with Changing the Game Project and and helping people to get an understanding through youth sports. Because people will look at it and say, well, how in the world do you change the world through youth sports? They'll say, how do you change the world through my little thing or that little thing. Well, that's exactly how you do it. And, and we, you know, both you and I have, we, we coach. We like working with kids. But ultimately, um, most of those kids are not going to make it to college or professional sports. But what we hope to do is instill some values and some work ethic and things that will actually make them successful in life versus just being a really good shortstop or a really good goalie in, in soccer or whatever it might be. Um, and, and you guys really are doing some great things. And, you know, today I do want to talk a little bit about the, the most recent ebook that you just, um, you, you just sent out and what's Mm -hmm. it called? Um, so I'm talking about specialization, but Mm -hmm. I also want us to, to focus on a little bit on how we do change the world because you're working with these individual kids and, and I don't know that we. As coaches sometimes take it serious enough, the impact that we may actually have on these kids, you know, 10, 20, 30, maybe even their entire life, the impact we're going to have on how they're going to, to develop. You know, parents are, are involved, obviously, the most. But we have the opportunity to instill values in a safe environment that, that will actually cause them to be successful in life, not only in sports.
3: Yeah, we, we we do, and and everything is a, a microcosm of life, and the values that you introduce to your kids in sports are, are not just values that they hold on the sports field. They they carry them over into the rest of their life. So, if you teach them to cut corners in sports, they're going to cut corners in business. You teach them to cut corners. In sports, they're going to cut corners in relationships. And so one of the things that we teach at the Change the Game Project is the need to communicate a consistent message, whether you're in the classroom or on the field or sitting around the dinner table or in church. Whatever it is, you need to communicate that that same message over and over and over, and kids need that type of consistency. And when you're inconsistent... When you when you tell a kid, well, we don't do this. Oh, except if we need to win the game, then it's okay. It's really damaging to children. Well, I, you know,
2: and my my youngest boy's team. It, it sometimes it gets a little frustrating because we will, you know, they're eight, and throughout the game, we will make uh, changes as far as positions go into the game, and knowing good and well that we could keep a certain lineup in there, and we would probably have stand a better chance of winning the game. But ultimately, they're, they're eight. The kids are having a blast. Um, you know, they don't like to lose. You know how that is. They don't like to lose. But 10 minutes after they've lost the game, they're over it. Now, we as adults, sometimes we're not over it. We're going, well, why did that coach move Johnny from, from shortstop? Uh, he's our best shortstop. Well, you know, it, it, does it really matter if they won that eight-year-old game? Are they even going to remember that eight-year-old game?
3: Right. I mean, I, it was funny. I was uh – doing a speaking engagement up for um, Hockey Alberta and Canada a couple weeks ago, and I just, you know, I think I, I forget the date, but I threw out this data: said, what happened on, you know, Saturday, January 28th, or whatever the date was? And come on, can you guys tell me? And of course, no one knows <laughs> what happened. And I said, well, there you go. On Saturday the 28th, when our kids were playing hockey, we thought it was the most important in the world we and we probably said things to our children that we regret <laughs> we, we, we we said things as a coach that we regret we put everything that we had into winning at that very moment even if it sometimes wasn't good in the long term yet here we are three months later four months later and we don't even remember it Right. That's, that's the issue is that these are not that what the, your kids are going to remember in life is the lessons they learn from a coach is is the values that you instill through sports. Those things, those concepts, will stick with them forever. Whether they won that nine year old baseball game on on you know last Tuesday night, they're not going to remember that. And neither yeah, will you. <laughs> yeah what what it translates
2: into is, okay if we if we cut a corner right here to uh, to win the game or if we we do this to a little extra, um, not extra, but we do something outside the lines a little bit differently, getting away from the culture that we're trying to promote. What that ultimately means is that later on in life, they're gonna be sitting in a, in a position where they've worked so long to make a certain sale of a certain product, and if they would just tell a little lie, they would close the deal. And, and that's yeah. that's what happens. I mean, and you know what? I I've worked in the financial planning industry for fifteen years, and I know what it's like to be in that situation. I actually know what it's like to have not actually told the lie, just not told at all. And and you live to regret those moments, and, and there and you can't take them back. And and. If we are cutting corners with our kids on, in in youth sports, they're going to grow up to do the exact same thing because they are not really just listening to what we're saying; they're watching what we're doing.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I you know there was an incident, uh, you know, as you know, Mickey, your your listeners might not. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big soccer guy, so of course we have the World Cup going on right now, and there was an incident yesterday where um, one of the players in Uruguay bit another player during the game. This, to me, is just insane, and this player, who happens to be one of the top players in the world, certainly doesn't need to do this. I mean, he is an incredibly talented player, yet he bites a player, and this is the third time that he's done this type of incident, and it's just insane because he hurts his team, he hurts everyone, and so they ask his coach after the game, you know, what do you think about this? And the coach says, this is the World Cup Finals, this is not some thing about cheap morality. And that, to me, just blows my mind. Because here's a coach saying, "Ah, it it doesn't matter, it's the World Cup Finals, when his player just bit another player, which is so disrespectful to other sports people. It's so disrespectful to the game. And all that makes me think is this player, Luis Suarez, who did this, he does this because his whole life he's been uh, such a good player that people just, let him get away with stuff like this imagine if he did that to someone when he was 7 or 8 years old and some coach cracked down on him and his parents cracked down on him and, and, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that you know because he's gotten away with it for so long here he is in front of hundreds of millions of people and he does this type of thing he was about to sign a you know a new contract for tens of millions of dollars who knows what's going to happen with him now because he might be suspended for the next year and it's because coaches like his coach, Uruguay, say, huh, well, it's the World Cup Finals, you know, morality is suspended. And, and that to me is insane.
2: Yeah, it, it it's, I don't think of soccer as like trying to think of Mike Tyson biting it, trying to bite the ear off of Evander Holyfield. But, you know, we do teach those things. We had an incident this past weekend in one of my... In one of my team's tournaments, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we get back from the break, but my son, who um, started catching, you could tell he was tired. He stayed up way too late watching the Vanderbilt extra inning game on Saturday night, and that was my fault, but I I moved him out from behind the plate to to relieve our, our pitcher, and... He was struggling, so I go out to take him out. Now, he was extremely frustrated, so I'm swapping him with our second baseman. You know, these kids at 14, they they move around positions. Mm -hmm. And as he's walking over to second base, he just rears back and throws his glove on the ground. And I'm going, really? You just did that? So, you know... It actually hurt my team to take him off of second base, but there is no way. No way any kid on my team, especially my own kid, is going to play the game that way.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, John, hey, we got to we exactly got right.
2: Yep. We got to go to a break. Um, when we get back, let's talk a little bit about um, the the new ebook that you have and i'll put a link up on my websites and and facebook so folks can get it it's it's only five dollars and it is a great great read and you can do it in, in in less than an hour um but uh i'll post that on the website we're going to talk more about specialization and and how that is harming or helping your kids when we get back from this break
4: the future of online tv is here
1: To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. Today's guest is John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project, who has been on the show several times, and... Part of the reason I wanted to bring him back is because we've talked in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, about changing the world. And we're going to continue to talk about that because that is that is something that I am very passionate about. It's something that I think that we can do. And we do it one person at a time. We do it one kid at a time. We do it um, in our small groups, our communities, our churches, and those places. Um, John has been on the show in the past, as I said earlier, and we've talked about his his uh, group, Changing the Game Project, I have a link on the MickeyEllison.com website that uh, you can go visit, Changing the Game. If you have kids in youth sports, it is a must that you go to his site, and, and you can learn it, a ton about it. John and I come from different backgrounds. He's a soccer guy. I'm a baseball guy. Um, actually, we were probably – we we talk about specialization, which is what we're going to get into and in in this segment. And I'm guessing – John, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Right, I'm guessing, John, that neither one of us specialized at 8 or 10 years old, and we didn't even know what specialization
3: was. Right, exactly. The wor- The world's very different um, today, and, you know, we, when we were growing up, it was much more, um, you know, sports was seasonal. You, uh-huh. you played whatever was in season, whether it was soccer or football in the fall, and you played basketball or ice hockey in the winter you played baseball in the spring you played everything in the summer um but basically you 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 know you you, and so much of your play was also with your friends you know i played so much baseball and so much soccer and so much pond hockey growing up because that's what my friends were doing and that just doesn't happen anymore you know right now everything's organized whether it's You know, through your parks and rec department, or travel clubs, or little league, or you know, junior, you know, uh, minor hockey, or whatever. And so, the, the the problem is that once things get organized, the seasons get longer and longer and longer. We start organizing kids younger and younger and younger, and then the 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 costs and the financial commitments to participate in the sport. Really force kids down one path very, very young, and this is a huge, huge problem.
2: Yeah, and and you know we've we've got had uh, Bob Lutz on from League Forty Two here here in Wichita that's trying to to alleviate some of that cost problem with the with the sport of baseball, and I'm hoping others will take from what he and and League Forty Two is doing with baseball and, and translate it into into other sports. But hey, let's talk about specialization. Let's talk a little bit about what you you have you have. Uh, written and tell tell me a little bit uh, about it the introduction I, I like one of the things here that says despite um some of the stories conventional wisdom in youth sports today seems to be pushing the vast majority of children down a path of early sports specialization
3: is that wrong or right i've yet to meet a sports scientist a psychologist a coaching educator or anyone, or, or and especially a medical doctor, who says that early sports specialization is beneficial and that the, the detriments of early specialization far, far, far outweigh the positives. Now, it definitely it, it makes sense that if your kid plays more baseball than all the other nine-year-olds, he is probably going to be a better baseball player in the short term. Uh-huh. But again, if we're teaching lifelong lessons and we're making athletes for life, then we shouldn't do what's best in the short term. We should be doing what's best in the long term. And what all the science and all the psychology says is that when children specialize in a sport very young, and there are, are a couple of exceptions, um, female figure skating, women's gymnastics or sports where where athletes reach their athletic peak in their mid-teen years. And so if they're going to be an Olympic gymnast, yeah, you have to specialize early. But for the vast majority of sports and all the team sports that we're talking about, you don't reach your peak until you're in your 20s. And so the idea that you have to get in all these hours when you're really, really young, it makes, it makes no sense. It goes against all the science, yet we have more and more parents feeling like well, I, my kid has to pick this sport. And we have more and more, unfortunately, uh, athletic clubs and organizations telling kids, oh, yeah, you, you have to pick this now. You have to play year-round, or we're giving your spot away on the team. And what they're really doing is they, they're, they're hurting their organization in the long term, and they're hurting kids in the long term. And that's why, you know, it's a big reason why three out of four kids quit sports by 13 because they're totally burnt out and done with it.
2: Yeah, and and I I can't even imagine, I don't even know what it would have been like to have been um, six, seven, eight, nine years old being forced to, uh, uh, or or being pushed to specialize. You know, I I tried them all. Actually, we didn't try that pond hockey in the winter in South Carolina. That was usually a bad idea.
3: (laughs) It was more like bass fishing.
2: (laughs) But, uh, you know, every once in a while there'd be a little ice on there, but you definitely didn't want to step on that pond. (laughs) But you'd find out how cold that water was real quick. But uh, you know, in in your book, you've written here that that long gone is the era of sandlot or pickup play. I remember as a kid um, how often we would actually go to the local park and just uh, there would be dozens of us that would show up to play basketball and 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 we could do that in the winter in south carolina because you wouldn't just freeze doing it Mm -hmm. but also so you know there there's so much now that uh today adult-led competition dominates and tryout-based multi-season travel teams form as early as age six Mm -hmm. and uh, and there is a lot of pressure on it i i tell you with with our 14-year-old baseball team um, you you wonder if you're doing the right thing. You're trying to do do it for your own kid. I mean, ultimately, I think that's why most of us got involved with with coaching at the youth level um, was probably because our kid was going to be involved in it, and we wanted to be involved with them. But as you do it, and, and you grow to love it, I mean, heck, I somebody asked me the other day, what are you going to do when your two kids aren't playing anymore? So, heck, I might just coach for the heck of it because I just like doing it. Um, but. Uh, you know, one of the things that has happened is that there, the support has gone away from the, the in-town recreation leagues, as you say in here, and, and school PE. And what winds up happening is is right now, well, one-third of all children today are overweight or obese, obese, six times the rate of the 1970s. Do you think that has a little to do with the with the specialization and, and uh, um, just burning these kids out early?
3: Well, I, I certainly think that... Um, I I don't know that sports specialization is a direct cause of obesity, um, but what I do think is that obesity is caused by inactivity. And, And when we are putting children down a sports path that is highly likely to make them quit sports, we are putting them on a path towards inactivity. And really, the purpose of sports in children's lives should be, you know, all the, the number one purpose should be to make them active for life. Nice. Whether they start in baseball and become a runner or a cyclist or wh- who cares what they do, but right. they should love sport and they should love being active. Just like you said, you know, you get up in the morning and, and you go and you get some exercise before you go to work. Well, so many people don't do things like that. And a lot of them it's because they had bad sports experiences early on. And the other problem is we know that children develop physically at very different ages and and at different stages. And when we're forcing specialization on children at really, really young ages, what happens is we are cutting out all the late developing athletes from the developmental system because they're not good enough at seven years old to make it because they're uncoordinated because they haven't grown. Yet the pro ranks are filled with late developers. Roger Federer was, was, was not one of the best junior tennis players in the world, yet he was, you know, the, the best player ever. And so what, what's happened is we, we have one example, Tiger Woods. We have another example, um, you know, the Williams sisters uh-huh. where these athletes showed a fantastic ability and connection to their sport at an incredibly young age. And we've hyped them so much that people now think, well, that's the way to do it, the way that Earl Woods did it and stuff. Yet that is not it because what specialization does, Mickey, is it, is it puts all the eggs in one basket. The more I practice, then I'm going to be great. And you know- it, it forgets the other baskets of psychology, and sociology, and, and then the physical part of of injury prevention, and so when you dump all the eggs in that one basket, y- yes, you have your your that basket is full, but the psychological basket can be empty. The so the sociological, you know, the friendship and the relationship basket can be empty, and certainly the the amount of injuries which absolutely skyrocket and early skyrocket an early specialist specialists. You know the, these things all counteract all those hours of practice, and this is the message that I'm trying to get across in this ebook. And really, what it's about is it's a guide so parents and coaches can explain to their kids, you know, how to find the path towards excellence. It, it, it's it's a it's a guide so that athletic directors can can say to kids, this is why it's better for kids to play multiple sports. It's a guide for for parents who are forced, being forced down this path to have all the science in front of them so that they can make the best decision for their son or their daughter and and help them, you know, find the right path for them. There are times in life when it's fine to specialize when, when kids get older, but, but you know, not when they're seven, not when they're nine.
2: Yeah, well, let's talk more about that when we get back from this break because I, I do want us to uh, – uh, Talk about the specialization as they get older, and maybe one of the reasons why they decide to specialize at that at that time. Um, if you want uh, to get more on on specialization, I will have a link posted on my website, as well as I think John, you have one on your website um, mm-hmm. about the with the e-book. Is it wise to specialize? It's only five dollars. I suggest if you have kids in sports, you have grandkids in sports, read this and um, educate yourself on on. Not just trying to do the right thing for your kids, but knowing what the right thing is to do for them. Folks, we'll be back from this break in a minute.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk.
4: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
1: You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and I do suggest that you go like the show on Facebook. That that helps out quite a bit. But uh, you know, today we have with us John O'Sullivan. We're talk- We're changing the world, and we're doing it today with Changing the Game Project. And and uh, John has just released an ebook. And I must correct what I said earlier a little bit. You can get it for five bucks when you click on the- when I put it up on Facebook and on my website. But you need to type in world cup as the promotional code to get it for five otherwise you'll get to pay ten and john can use the ten dollars too i'm sure so uh <laughs> but uh, uh anyway john we were talking before we went to the break about specialization uh specialization and especially is there a time when kids can start to specialize and and, and i i have a sneaky actually i'm just gonna let you answer the question because i don't even want to put what i think out there first
3: well, I mean, again, one of the reasons that I, that I wrote this ebook was because this is the number one question that I get. I get this question over and over and over, when should my kids specialize? And I can't, there's no golden age, there's no golden thing. I do think that as, as children get older and, you know, get into middle school and, and high school, they might say, Hey, you know what, I wanna you know, I want to, you know, take a run at this soccer thing, I wanna try to play college baseball, I wanna turn pro. I think that's okay. Now the thing that's important is that the decision belongs to the the kids and not mom and dad uh-huh. because only they can put in the time and effort and commitment and it has to be their passion for the game and their enjoyment and their motivation. It can't be a parent saying, "Yep, you know what? You're going to specialize now because you know we're going for this college thing." If your kid doesn't want to do it, they'll never they'll never put in the time to to really be good enough to be uh, an elite level athlete. And so, kids can make that decision. And when they get to high school these days, too, I mean, there's so many pressures on on children academic pressures to take all these extra classes, do extracurricular activities. A lot of kids have a job. They've got a boyfriend. They've got a girlfriend. You know, trying to balance a lot of sports on top of that is, is, is sometimes a very hard thing to do. And, again, it should just be something that, um, you know, the it's, it's up to your kids. So, again, the reason I created this guide was that, so, so as a parent, you could have all this information in front of you and then sit down with your kids and say, okay, what, what is the path that we're, we're doing now? But if your child is only 9 or 10 years old, the path doesn't say give everything up and only go down this one path because that is far more likely to see them drop out than actually you know, right. become a, a, top, a top player.
2: Well, and i think it's got to be it's got to be an intrinsic love for the game I, I've so often seen kids now they they like playing um and, and I played with guys that liked playing but if you don't have that intrinsic drive and that love for the game once you get to the college level it's miserable and, and I've seen guys that that went off that had all the talent in the world but they didn't just and not nothing against the the, the the guys and gals that didn't didn't continue to play, but you have to really, really love the game because there's this this, this misnomer or the, this idea that you live some life of, of Riley and, and everything is hunky-dory as a college athlete when in reality no one really knows what you go through. They don't know that you were just on that three-day road trip to, to Lexington, Kentucky having to show up on Monday morning to take a final exam. They don't, you don't see those things, but, but the majority of us do – have those? I mean, they'll they look at some of these elite guys that maybe are in college football or college basketball and and think they're getting all these breaks. And apparently, at the University of North Carolina, some of them did. But the majority of us are not in that case. We're having to balance, as you said, you have have to balance it, while everyone else is has that time in the afternoon off to 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 re- relieve themselves or, or or just take a break. The college athlete is going straight from class to hours upon hours of, of practice and and strength training and those things. And, hey, I'm not knocking it, John. I don't think you would either. I loved it. But if you don't love that, it's going to be miserable, miserable, miserable. Hey, I'm getting off topic a little bit on here. Let's talk a little bit. You have some science in here that that you talk about in, in the specialization. And, and, and some of the let, – let's hit – what are the, In the first three stages or so of when, when people are starting to, to play, what are you really trying to focus on with the kids?
3: Well, the, the first three stages, the, the best collection of what we call long-term athlete development or long-term player development um, is put together by this group from Canada called Canadian Sport for Life. Okay. and It's really become a basis for a lot of national sports federations in terms of athlete development. And, and they, again, their ultimate goal in their seven stages of development is to make people active for life. Mm-hmm. But the first stages are all about what they call an active start and then fundamentals with capital F-U-N. And, and in an active start, it, you're, you're teaching kids the ABCs, agility, balance, and coordination, through tons of different movements. Now, when I coach six-year-old soccer... A lot of times the kids are throwing the ball up in, up in the air and catching it. They're doing forward rolls. They're doing this, and people look at me like, isn't this soccer practice? And I said, no, this is movement practice uh-huh. because movement skills are learned skills. And people sometimes forget that. They think, well, my kid's not an athlete. No, he or she just hasn't learned to move well yet, and it's actually something that you teach them. If your five-year-old can't read, you don't say, oh, you know, forget about reading. Uh, he just doesn't need to read. You say, "No, we need to teach reading because it's an important life skill." Well, what I try to get across is that, and what uh, CS4L tries to get across is that you need to teach kids fundamental movement skills. If you don't teach them their fundamental movement skills, things fall apart, and and so that's what the whole the reason why kids should do many sports growing up is is um, because it it creates a balance. Athleticism. You you pick up different things playing basketball than you do playing soccer than you do uh, doing tumbling in gymnastics than you do swimming than you do playing hockey and so playing multiple sports makes for a better all around athlete. Um, yeah. And then and then that sort of six to nine year old age group is what they call the fundamental stage where you're you're now reinforcing these movements and you're introducing sports. But through fun games and activities, not standing in line and drilling things over and over and over, you can do a little bit of technical training, but most of their learning should be through you know, fun activities that, that simulate the game that you're playing.
2: Well, and kid, you want, people will often wonder, well, why, do, why does my kid not want to play, play baseball? And, and baseball is the, is the ultimate of this, I believe, because... You have one kid standing up there taking batting practice, and the other eleven are standing out in the outfield doing nothing. And, and they wonder, well, why? Why don't? Why is my kid picking flowers? Because he's got nothing else to do out there. I mean, he hasn't had a ball hit to him in forty-five minutes. What do you expect him to do? I'll start picking flowers if I'm standing out there doing nothing for. You know, my wife will vouch for that because I can't sit still. Period. And it it, it is about getting them involved, and and, and you you it is amazing to watch our little eight-year-old kids when we start breaking them down into groups and we turn them all into little games. um, Mm -hmm. When we do that, well, you know, one of them might be, well, let's, let's see who can get to, we're we're throwing pop-ups to them. Let's see who can get to five first. And man, you ought to see their focus change and, and and you'll give them, actually all you got to do is give them a hug or let them hit first when they go to do batting practice. I mean, it, 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 yeah, so much fun, and, and I look at soccer, and I, give, I, I haven't given you a hard time about it, but I give people a hard time about, about soccer. But realistically, is there a better game to teach
3: kids footwork than the, than the game of soccer? Is there? Well, yeah, no, and, and again, it teaches, it teaches jumping. It teaches balance, running forward, running backwards. I mean, take a bunch of five-year-olds. and and lay out some cones and have them jump over the cones, and you'll see kids at totally different levels. Ask them to run backwards, and half of them are going to do what? They're going to fall over and end up on their butt because they haven't learned those movements yet. And and it's actually because the whole culture of going to the park or going out to the street and playing with your friends has disappeared. Mm -hmm. What a lot of, uh, you know, in, in my world, in the professional soccer world in Europe, There are pro clubs who are now talking about the fact that they have to teach these fundamental movements to some of their youngest players because they didn't develop them as kids because they don't just go out and play anymore. So whether it's, you know, Pepper and, and, you know, in baseball or, you know, stickball, which we did growing up, or, you know, shinny and hockey where you're just playing pond hockey or, you know, futsal or just a pickup soccer game. When when kids are playing a sport, when they're playing, they are actually engaged in the activity far more often than when they are practicing it. When you think about practice, the coach is giving instruction. Players are waiting for their turn. They only use about half of that hour of practice actually participating. When they're playing a pickup game, they're involved the whole time until kids go, oh, wait, let's go get a drink
2: uh-huh exactly well and and you look at uh I'll use baseball again. you look at kids that that come over from let's say the Dominican Republic or some some of the other countries where basically they were rolled at one time they' probably just rolled out a ball and said play and you'll see you'll see short stops and you'll see second basemen making acrobatic plays that you don't see some of the American guys making and I think it's because of that free play that you're talking about because they've had to they they've had to. Be creative because no one has told them this is the exact way that you're supposed to do it. Well, you know what? Go to a baseball game and watch guys hit. And, and you'll see, yeah, there are certain things that they all have to do. But for the most part, they all have their own little individual piece of that. And you talk about the athleticism. I was just thinking about this as as you were talking when I was at Vanderbilt, my athleticism actually, I believe, dropped off going towards my senior year because I wasn't playing the basketball and I wasn't doing the other games. I was specializing on it, so some of those little things, as far as movements that I was doing without even thinking about it, playing basketball, were gone. And on top of that, because of our scholarships, we were told we better not be caught playing in those intramural basketball games.
3: Yeah, and and, and you know, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing. At, um you trying to balance that. I mean, one of the things that I like like to cite is for people to say, oh, you know, you've got to only do one sport. You know, especially, you know, again, it's, it's a huge problem in soccer and it's a big problem in youth baseball right now, too, with all the injuries. Um, the last three Heisman Trophy winners in college football were all drafted in baseball. So somehow yeah. these baseball players were able to play football at a very high level for a big chunk of the year. They certainly weren't playing fall baseball, so doesn't that go to show that it really matters a lot more what kind of athlete you are than whether you play it year round or not? Well, and we're we're
2: almost at a break, but before we go, I want to. Um, I was watching the College World Series the other day, and I can't remember who the kid was that was hitting for Texas. It was uh, it was all state in three sports. Mm-hmm. And they went on to the, – the announcers went on to talk about how each of these programs that are in the College World Series, their coaches tend to focus on kids who play multiple sports. And, in fact, I actually heard, and I can't – I'll verify this from Tim, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt, that um, he actually goes – he has a lot of kids that, that pitch for them that come from the Northeast. And part of the reason that he does that is because they're in a cold-weather climate, and he knows they haven't been throwing year-round. Um, we're going to talk more about uh, – um, specialization and, and John's uh, John's book that he's just released his ebook. If you want to get a copy of it, I have it posted on my Facebook page, the Mickey Ellison Show Facebook page. If you type in the uh, promo code World Cup in all caps, you'll get that book for five dollars. We'll be back from this break in a second.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance
5: to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows... Check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
4: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
1: You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, where we're changing the world, and we're doing it with Changing the Game Project and John O'Sullivan today. The topic has been primarily specialization. And when we were in the break, John was telling me a story. And I, I'm just going to stop right there and let you tell the story and what people should uh, take from this and, and, and thinking about specialization.
3: Um, but, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, uh, go ahead. No, it was a, it was a story you were you were telling about the the kid that got drafted.
3: Oh yeah, I I, I got a, a call the other day just from um, a gentleman, and he was telling me the story, and I think it was his son or his nephew, who had just gotten drafted into professional baseball, and. Um, he, he he was a kid who you know he grew up and everyone said you got to pick a sport you got to pick a sport cuz he was a great multi-sport athlete and then he went on and, um you know, he was a, a college baseball and basketball player and people said you got to pick a sport got to pick a sport and he said no I'm I'm going to do multiple and he just got drafted um by I think Baltimore or Orioles and when he met with uh Buck Showalter they told him we wouldn't have drafted you if you were a single sport athlete because we would have figured that you were already at your peak. We we were drafting the finished product, and we don't want to draft the finished product. We want to draft someone who will grow as as a player and grow into a major leaguer. And that is the the thing that we're when kids go down the one sport path so early, they're 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 at a peak, and I think really at the top top level, college coaches and. And professional coaches, yes, they're looking, for, um, they're, they're looking for top players, but they're looking for top players with an upside. And if uh-huh. you've only done one sport and they're laying your son out or your daughter out against a player who's played multiple sports and they think they're just as good or maybe not quite as good, but they go, but this kid's got an upside, they're going to take that kid. Yeah, we we've got a kid that plays
2: on our 14-year-old team who I believe has the most upside of any kid that that I have ever coached. And he has an up that upside is not just in baseball, it's in basketball, it's in football. And you know sooner or later he you know, will he pick? I don't know. I think the kid's probably going to be good enough to play all three if it just he's probably going to have to decide on one of them, I guess when he gets to college or two. But um you know there's other issues in here and some of it has to do with injuries and and what the early specialization is doing, and there's a there's a piece in here that uh, uh, it talked about Tommy John and the number of kids that are having to have Tommy John surgery at the baseball level. And We've had Tommy on the show. If you missed that show, you can go back on my website and listen to it. And and uh, you know Dr. Andrews, who is one of the most renowned surgeons in 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 baseball uh, or in sports in general, I guess, as uh, and he talks about this and how it. it the The repetitive movements and and I, I can't find the page, John, but it was somewhere in the ballpark of, um, five times more likely that a kid will will wind up with a serious injury, um, have if they've played baseball for say ten months out of the
3: year, and yeah, um, some of those statistics are, are crazy, and and that the biggest risk factors for having the shoulder or elbow problems is is you know specialization. so year-round baseball and fatigue and one of the things that a lot of baseball coaches have trouble with is you know they're managing a pitcher so they're pulling the pitcher out after a certain amount of pitches but then the kid goes to his private pitching coach the next day and throws another hundred pitches and then so here comes then he comes back to pitch three days later four days later for his high school team and his arm's exhausted, and his coach can't figure out why. Uh-huh. And, and, and this, is, this is the problem. I mean, I, I read an article in my local paper here about a guy who let his, his uh, pitcher throw 160 or 190 pitches in a state playoff game. Oh, my Lord. And, and that's just insane. And yeah, it and, is. You know, like, you're not doing anyone a favor there. You, you risked that kid's career to, what, win a game? I mean, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, major leaguers pull you out after 100 pitches. Well, what makes you think that kid can throw 190? Yeah,
2: and, and, you know, Tommy actually told a story about when he was coaching a high school team. Can you imagine having Tommy John as your high school baseball coach? So, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, but he had a kid that was pitching for him, and he, he was complaining about his arm being sore. Mm-hmm. And um, But Tommy knew that he hadn't been throwing a, a ton with them, I mean, because he, you know, he monitored it. Uh, as good as anybody else that would be, but it was the same situation. He was pitching on another team. I actually have, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, the word of advice I would have for anybody that's getting special, I'm not saying that you you shouldn't do any kind of pitching, extra pitching training or anything like that, but if the guy that's coaching you in that extra pitching training is not asking you how much you've thrown in the last couple of days, Mm -hmm. you might want to walk away from them because – they they should be asking that. In fact, just to become a good pitcher doesn't mean you have to throw a, bunch, a, a lot of balls. Maybe you could spend that workout session working on your core, your legs, all those different things that do create good pitchers. But you don't always have to be throwing a ball.
3: Oh, it's 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 crazy. And I mean, you know the you know I think one of the things that Tommy John advocates is you know if you pitch in the spring, don't be a pitcher in summer ball. You know, play the outfield, play somewhere else, but don't pitch. I mean, you have to give your your shoulder and, and your arm a rest. And, and this is the thing. Even if you go down that specialization path with your athlete, they still need time off. They still need time to rest and recuperate and, and be emotionally and mentally and, and physically fresh. You just can't go 12 months a year, weekend after weekend, you know, with the grind, they'll they'll burn out and uh, physically and and mentally, and so you you yeah. have to back off. Yeah, there
2: was a story about Josh Beckett and how he he would pitch and he he wouldn't pitch at all in the summer. I don't think it was, and he's had very little um little problems with his arm. He's had a few surgeries. I, somebody told me the other day he had an extra rib. I asked if he was Adam, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, John, we're coming up on the last couple minutes of the show. What are some final thoughts
3: that you want people to walk away from the show with? Well, I mean, final, you know, final thoughts, just, you know, remember that, that the things that kids learn through sport will need to last them for the rest of their life, and those lessons that they learn from a great coach, those lessons they learn from being around great parents and, and, and great teammates, those are the things that are going to stick with them for their whole life, and they will last much longer than their sports career ever will. So you really have to think long and hard about what you want this takeaway to be. Because yes, you might win a game or you might even win uh, a tournament or a championship. But if you don't do that the right way, what you've done is instilled values about cutting corners that your your son or your daughter is going to take into the rest of their life. And so when you think of sports as a more holistic approach, um, when you think of developing people who are active for life, you, yep. you, you go and, down a different path. And when you go down yep. that path, I think that is also the path to giving your kid the best chance of being the best possible player they can be. Yep. And we're at the end of the
2: show. If you want the ebook, go to my website, my Facebook page, type in World Cup, you'll get $5 off of it. Thank you, John O'Sullivan, for being on the show with us this week, and hopefully you'll come back.
3: Uh, of course. Thanks, Mickey, for having me on.
2: All right, let's continue changing the world. Don't miss the show next week. See you then
1: thanks so much for joining us on the mickey ellison show mickey plans to be here again next wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we hope you'll be here too